So many women think they're the only ones when exercise isn't working. You know, I think the real message when you watch that is you're not doing anything wrong. It's not about a lack of willpower or lack of discipline. The system, the fitness industry actually may have been sending you the wrong message. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast, all about reinventing your health with safer, cheaper, more effective natural solutions and powerful lifestyle changes so that you become the CEO of your health. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder. Women have been lied to about perimenopause and menopause in connection to their metabolism, working out, and let's be honest, so much more. Now, I want to dispel one of the biggest myths right now today, that the harder you work out, the bigger the benefits. It's simply not true, especially after 45 years old. Working out is a stressor on the body, and no matter how you slice it, stress causes a release in cortisol. We know the big time mega survival hormone. And if we consistently release cortisol over a period of time, we actually get the opposite effect of burning fat and increasing our metabolism, which was the whole point of working out to begin with. So our body goes into survival mode and we end up spiking insulin levels and building visceral abdominal fat. Now, I'm not saying that women after the age of 45 should not exercise. I would never say that. I believe that movement is critical, not only for our heart, our bones, our brain, yes, metabolism, but our mental well-being. It reduces stress levels. I mean, I could sing all the benefits of exercise and movement until I am out of breath. Exercise is critical for women at all ages, and it's really about the type of exercise along with the length of time you are working out that really makes a difference. What if you could get more bang for your buck by shortening your workouts and not overdoing it? I don't know about you, but I say heck yes. And that's why I invited one of my dear friends today, Deborah Atkinson, who is a recent TEDx speaker, to share why everything women in perimenopause and menopause learned about exercise may be a lie. And what I love is that Deborah is going to come on today and she is going to dispel some big time myths and she's going to really open the door for what is possible and how we can not only master our metabolism, but do it in a way that creates ease and grace. Now, I know that doctors and, and the world has told us that our metabolism is never going to be the same, that it's potentially broken, and that's simply not true. If we can dial in the right way to support our metabolism with the hormones we're working with, with the right way to move our body, we can absolutely get into that fat burning mode much faster and more efficiently. And I don't know about you, but that's exactly the type of workout I want. I've spent years overworking out, burning myself out, and being absolutely exhausted because of it, and only to watch the scale go up and up and up. That's the worst thing in the world is when you're working your butt off and you're practically just eating carrots and salad and the scale keeps moving in the wrong direction. And oh, it's so frustrating. That's what we're going to be talking about today because I know if you're listening today, you are in that camp or you're in the camp where someone has told you that there's no point. And I want to dispel that myth today as well. So we're going to be sharing all of this and more. But before we start this epic conversation on menopause, exercise, and how to master your metabolism with ease and grace, I want to quickly sing Deborah's praises. She's one of my favorite people when it comes to moving your body, and she is an expert in this area. 
Hormone balancing fitness expert Deborah Atkinson has helped over 150,000 women flip the second half of their life with energy and vitality. She's the author of You Still Got It Girl, The After 50 Fitness Formula for Women, Navigating Fitness After 50, and Hot Not Bothered. Deborah hosts Flipping 50 TV and the Flipping 50 podcast with over a million downloads. She's also a recent TEDx speaker, as I mentioned before, and I'll be linking to that episode and at the end of this episode. Let's welcome her on to the show. Welcome to the Essentially You podcast, Deborah Atkinson. How are you doing today, girl? I'm so good. I'm better because I'm here with you. Oh, me too. Goodness knows. I know you and I have both been cooped up in our houses along with everyone else in the world. Um, and it's so good to get to see you. And I am so excited to have this conversation. I mean, the second that you emailed me, I was thinking, I am looking for someone, an amazing expert to speak on this. We're going to be talking about specifically for women, women in late perimenopause and menopause when it's hitting the fan, you know, how exercise, metabolism and hormones, how it all fits together, because goodness knows we get a lot of misinformation at this age. We're told a lot of things that aren't working for us, and you are the person who's dialed it in. So I'm really excited to have you share your expertise with us today. Thank you. I can't wait. Yay. Well, I want to know, this has been such a big part of your journey, such a big part of what you advocate for. What was that defining moment for you when you knew you wanted to support women kind of moving into a phase that felt, like I said, that felt challenging, that felt for women not exactly sure what to do as we enter into midlife and menopause. Yeah. You know, so I'd been doing this for 29 years and by default, I'd ended up working with a lot of women who were older. I mean, men and women, right? But women, let's face it, we ask for directions. So probably they're more likely to hire a personal trainer, seek them out, you know, ask the questions. And yet when I was 49, I quit my job, safety, security, goodbye, and started an online business. And so I had all this new content I had to learn in order for this to be my platform. Thank God I did at that time, not not right now, right? Like everybody else. But it wasn't until I was struggling myself that I realized how much needed this was for this niche of people because there I was in the middle of my life with, you know, a young son and aging parent and influencing so many people. And we have that every single woman in midlife has that same opportunity. So it's the realization that, you know, there's no one more influential, I think, in healthcare and health habits, let's say that, than a midlife woman. You know, she's influencing three generations. And so the knowledge that I'm in it, I'm doing this, but I'm just this little pebble in a pond. And if we can get more women to take better care of themselves, the result of that and the ripple effect is so, so great. Mm, I love that because it really speaks into generational legacy for our our family's health and well-being. And I think women really lead the charge when it comes to that level of legacy for our families. And if women can dial it in, especially in their late 40s and their 50s and beyond, we, we really have an opportunity to pass down those habits, those lifestyle changes with, our, with the people that matter most to us. So agree. And I think 
we really have to share that message because for those women who find it really easy to serve everybody else in their universe and not so much be able to dedicate that time and self-care to themselves, when they think of it in that way, that I'm having a big impact, no matter what I do or don't do, I'm having an impact on so many people. I think that's what will drive it home to being able to take care of ourselves and be able to say, this is not selfish. This is mandatory. Hmm. I agree. And I, I just want to bring in my my mama as an example of this. You know, my mom was really struggling in her late 40s. Um, everything hit the fan, like so many women, and um, d- ended up on, you know, bioidentical, ended up on hormone replacement and really didn't ultimately serve her, was able to get off and start to put some really healthy lifestyle changes. But one of her big life's goals is that she always wanted to run a marathon. Now, I recognize we're going to be talking about the real kind of exercise today. And I know that sometimes running a lot doesn't always serve, but it was really exciting to see my mom go from someone who probably couldn't run more than three miles, train for a marathon. And and for her, it's her favorite way to escape. It's her favorite way to let things go, de-stress. She's now run 75 plus marathons and half marathons since then. Um, And I I won't say, she doesn't ever want me telling people how old she is, but this was like nine years ago. I should say, we'll just put that there. Um, You know, eight years years ago, seven years ago. And it's been it's been so, you know, it may not be my preferred choice of working out, especially for my hormones. And I've had those conversations with my mama. But what really matters is that she's inspired me in such a big way. She looks great. She loves it. She has a great time doing it. Um, and, you know, it, it really speaks to what's possible, even though intelligently I know what's possible to see my mom do it and to see her do it with such ease and grace, what it looks like, you know, further down the road for me, I just, it just inspires me. And so I wanted to just share that. Like, I feel that inspiration from her, even though this is what I do for a living. Yeah. Oh gosh. I think you have to, you have to have that real story. The thing that's, you know, the witness and the testimony for you that what is possible. But I think you hit the nail on the hat. I think, you know, eventually this will come out that, long distance endurance exercise is probably not going to be the number one thing we'd recommend, but she's got joy doing it. You know, I mean, you brought that up several times as you were telling that story and that is really the difference. So not necessarily seeking something because, oh, that's the biggest calorie burner or that's the biggest fat burner, but because all of a sudden this is giving you joy and confidence and in a way you didn't have it and now you just love it. You know, and it's like, if you can do it that way and then decide when it stops being fun, then I'm done. I'll move on to something else that serve you very well. I agree. Absolutely. Now, I do want to shift gears because I love the idea of women stepping into their power, moving their bodies, really taking care of their bodies and leaving that legacy for their family and inspiring their their kids, their grandkids, you know, for what's possible. But I do want to speak to what type of exercise, because even though I'm not yet in, in late perimenopause and menopause, I have burned myself to the ground, exercising, thinking that that was the way to do it. Um, Thinking that if I just over-exercise, if I just do more HIIT training, if I just do more TRX, if if I just run more sprints, if I just take another spin class, that it's I'm going to get the job done. And, and what ends up happening, at least, and it depends on the person, I get that. 
But for me, I've walked out of workout classes at like three o'clock or noon and I have, and everything's gone. Whatever I had in the tank is gone. Like the rest of my day is shot. And that's not how we're supposed to feel after working out. And then the repercussions of that is the scale doesn't move. You, you don't feel more toned, like nothing's moving. Sometimes yeah. it does. Sometimes, sometimes it goes up. up. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I've seen that too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, oh, me too. Too closely. Yeah. Yeah. So talk to us about the concerns, especially, you know, the tumultuousness of hormones fluctuating and shifting, especially in perimenopause and menopause, and how that translates to, you know, affecting the type of exercise we do and also affecting our metabolism. Most women would tell you that their metabolism is broken Mm -hmm. at that particular age. Yeah. Probably one of the most common reasons that people come to me, women will come to me in midlife and it's like, you know, I've gained weight and that's nothing new. So maybe they've gained weight, lost weight throughout their, their lives, 20s, 30s, 40s. Okay. You know, I gained weight. Here's what I'll do. That's not working anymore. Those old tricks not working anymore and either not budging the scale at all or no matter what they do, they're continuing to gain. And that's where they, they're really willing to listen and pay more attention to, okay, a different answer this time. You know, I can't go back to that same old, same old. So, you know, we, we approach it in two ways. So one, we've got to look at the overall stress level, what's going on with stress from all sources, not just from exercise. But I think we probably need to say that and then repeat it. Exercise is stress. Yes, please. Say that again. (laughs) But every woman here is also probably watching, well, most of them, right? All of you who love exercise are watching saying, no, 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 you don't understand. That's how I negate my stress. I have to exercise so I can negate my stress. And I get that too, but there is the Goldilocks. So that's what we're looking for. Not too much and not too little. And it's different. It's different for you. It's different for me. It's different for your mom. And we've got to find where is that? And then it's like course correct constantly. When you're in menopause, it's not what it was last year. It potentially isn't what it was three months ago. So that course correction has a lot to do with, can you listen? Are you really listening to the messages your body's sending you? And if you do feel like you walk out of that class at noon and you could take a nap, it's too much. Somehow, Everything on your plate is too much. So we're in this perfect moment right now where women in midlife and menopause are just like anybody else. We're dealing with changes and some uncertainty in our lives. You know, we may be cocooning and nesting at home and be okay with that in theory, but, you know, there is some of us want to see somewhere down the road and we can't. We don't know really what's coming. So that puts a little unease in all of us. We've got a little stress and we've got to just factor that in. And I I really hate hate it when we're all tuning in and we're hearing, oh, we know you're stressed. And I don't think we need to beat that because you may be handling it just fine, but you do need to give yourself a little grace that there is this little extra thing here. So whatever your exercise was in January and February before COVID even was a thing, you need to consciously think about how do I, now that I've got more stress over here, how do I back off of that a little bit more, be smarter about my exercise choices? 
because we've got to keep cortisol down or monitor it so it's correct. High when it should be high, low when it should be low, and then talk about how do we bump that muscle up so that we can boost metabolism overall because you can't have both. If your cortisol is up, you can't ignore it and say, I'm just going to go for the muscle and the fat burning and, and then chips will fall, but they won't. You'll fall. I agree 100%. I think it's important that we bring that up. And how is this interconnected with metabolism? I think some women are not really seeing the connection of like, working out should fix my metabolism, should help to rev up my metabolism. But we know the stress component, the cortisol component, even the cortisol insulin component can really not work in our favor when we're feeling stressed. Can you speak to me a little bit about connecting the dots when it comes to our metabolism? For sure. So looking at it from the the cortisol standpoint, so looking at what are your factors pointing to stress? So if you're going to exercise, here's the way we optimally want to use stress. So using acute cortisol, kind of a hit, right? So you're going to use, and, and that's like pun intended. So getting a hit of it, but also getting high intensity interval training is one of the best ways to do it. So you get a little fix of boost and burst that cortisol. It's going to peak while you're exercising. But what happens in the aftermath is if you elevate that cortisol appropriately during exercise for a short time, it comes down and that counter lull in cortisol is what helps you relax and rest. And it's kind of like you've got this angst and you need to scream or yell or shout and exercise and get it out. And then you can calm down and relax. And that's perfect use during exercise of your cortisol. But if that's not happening or you're already too stressed and that cortisol comes up during exercise and it never goes down, because you might be doing two things, exercising too long, too hard, combining all the things you think are good because more is better, that mentality gets us in trouble, or you're doing late day exercise where cortisol should be coming down. So you're trying to exercise and there's no cortisol there to use. So your body does that little steal and pregnenolone then can be used to make cortisol for the energy you need to exercise, but then it's not there later so that you can get to sleep. And your, your metabolism is helped a great deal during sleep because we've got more growth hormone being produced. If you get into those deep cycles of sleep, your testosterone is being taken care of. If you're getting quality sleep, we need those things for muscle. So all the things you're doing in the gym, the strength training and the high intensity interval training may not pay off for you. If you've got cortisol going wonky and you're tipping that scale such that you're not able to get enough sleep and do the rewarding hormone benefit that you need in order to make the exercise truly work. So that's kind of the way you might be blocking your metabolism, even if you're doing the exercise. Mm. Okay, so it can affect us. Either cortisol is being overused or we're finding ourselves, it's, it's having an effect where we've got that wired and tired, that mental chatter at night, we can't go to sleep, our circadian rhythms are off, and that's throwing off our metabolism as well. Exactly. And one of the things you mentioned besides working too hard is exercising too hard is also exercising too long. 
and yeah. speak to me about what is the, and I know it can vary from person to person, but what have you found to be that optimal exercise zone? There's two things we should probably look at. So HIT, high intensity interval training has been around long enough. I think that all of us can agree it's not a fad anymore. It's here to stay. And there's so much great research that says you know, for for the women we're talking to, probably for any woman, but any the women in midlife, you know, who maybe haven't even gained weight, but their weight has shifted and it's like, that wasn't here yesterday and there's there's belly fat there and I can't get rid of it. So belly fat moves best from high intensity interval training. So short little sprints of it. So by that 15 or 20 minutes of intervals, you know, sandwiched or bookended by a great warm up, great cool down. So your whole session may be 30 minutes, but you're not looking to do a full hour and, and leave you as toast or a puddle on the floor. You want to leave actually feeling good. And if you're not used to doing high intensity interval training, it'll feel very different. It'll feel like you did potentially too little because although you're working really hard for short periods of time, you know, you're not just wasted and toast. And that's the difference between, you know, cortisol elevating and staying up and kind of infringing on your adrenals, which are those things that are going to make you feel like I want to take a nap. I could lay down. I have to couch compensate. That's what I call it. So what we want to do is just elevate that cortisol in 15 to 20 minutes at a time, two or three times a week is ideal. Now you're going to do some other things in there as well. But if you start tipping that over 45 minutes a week, that's where we start to see injury rates climb. And when you look at injury rates, and the use of high intensity interval training, injury rates skyrocketed like 544% over the time that HIT became popular because everybody's using it, but everybody's using it all the time. And that's really not the best way to use something. So the other piece is endurance training. How much of that do you need? Really, we don't need very much at all. And if you're a woman in midlife, you may want to get rid of it. But what we're trying to get rid of is what I call no benefits zone. So it's in the middle. And there's this myth we've all heard, you should get moderate, moderate exercise, moderate exercise. And that term is thrown around so much that at the beginning of COVID, you know, I did a full webinar on this talking about, you know, what do we really know about exercise and an immune system? And the biggest benefits actually come from doing interval training, so short, high intensity, and then things like walking. It's like just lower level, low to moderate level, but it's in that middle range where that's where you're just getting that heart rate drift. It's where you're going for longer periods of time than 75 minutes is about the tipping point. So if you're going longer than 75 minutes, hour 15, Cortisol, instead of coming up and then coming down afterward, continues to go up. So it doesn't give you that positive fix of relaxation. It's more, you might be flat for a, a day or two and not be able to exercise at all, which is really counter to what we want, right? We want energy. Absolutely. And so that's for walking. So if we're walking for an hour and 15, that's too much. 
No, it's oh. so if you're going a little harder than that, if you're walking at a fast pace or you're jogging, so and you can insert any endurance kind of activity, but if you're at that middle range where you're breathing fairly hard, and you know it's it's definitely a run where you know I could talk, but I could talk only between breaths, you know, and it's really changing your exertion level that's where you get in trouble. You know, if you're out, you're going for a long walk or a hike at a lower level and you're enjoying it. You're okay. Okay. Got yeah. it. That, that, I just wanted to just make sure I was a clarity on that to see the time zone and what exactly that looked like in that time frame. Speak to me about, because I know a lot of people feel like endurance running, endurance training is really good for them. I'm so glad that you've given us clarity there. Speak to me about weightlifting, because for me, that has been a real big game changer with, with an autoimmune condition like Hajimoto's thyroiditis. One of the recommendations for me was cut a lot of the endurance training out entirely and really focus on weight training. And I know for women in midlife, definitely the concern around osteoporosis, keeping muscle mass, like any type of muscle tone is super important. What is What are some of the um, recommendations around that? Absolutely. So strength training is probably needs to get to number one in your priority list. When you're planning your exercise week, put your strength training in there first, because you want to strategically plan that not only for the workouts, but for the rest between. Because what we know is twice a week of strength training can actually be more beneficial than three times a week if you need that extra recovery time. And a lot of us after the age of 40 do. And that's not a statement that you know, you're you're able to work out less or you're delicate. It's just this recovery period where the muscle is getting repaired and getting stronger. And basically, instead of just compensating and getting repaired to where it was, it actually gets stronger. So that's when you have the fitness happen. So the workout, the exercise gives you the opportunity for fitness, but the fitness actually happens in the rest and recovery between. So it's important to remember that. Put those in first and then put in the things like high intensity interval training around them and then slip in those low to moderate intensity exercises that you love. You love to go hiking, you love to golf and walk the course. Put those in anywhere that you still have the energy and all the signs that you're sleeping well, that you have a good appetite, not an outrageous one, but not lots of cravings. All of those signs are telling you you're in your sweet spot for exercise. And it's it's slightly different for everybody, but strength training is the number one way to boost metabolism. So it's a payoff that happens long-term. So at the end of the year, if you and I wanted to have a, a higher metabolism, strength training right now until the end of the year would be the smartest thing that we do. So we're not saying don't do any cardio, don't do any intervals, but minimize it. If we said, okay, tomorrow morning we're going to work out, what's going to burn the most calories during 30 minutes? It's going to be high intensity interval training. But in the long run, that doesn't matter because it's really like cocaine. You have to get another hit of that for that to do you good. 
if you're strength training during that 30 minutes, we're not going to burn as many calories, but what we are doing is helping your body burn more calories for 24 hours. So imagine doing that over and over twice a week, all the rest of the year, you're increasing also the amount of lean muscle tissue you have. That's metabolically active tissue and fat is not. So true. Thank you. Thank you for giving clarification there. I had a good feeling that the strength training was really the best option for many of us, especially as we moved into our 40s and 50s and beyond. Now, a lot of women are also a lot of questions that I get are specifically around around food too. And is there a time after working out that or before working out that we should focus on our meals? Before and after, both can be really important and it kind of depends a little bit on body type. So we okay. can address you know, if you're, if you're somebody who's been lean and you're petite and really maybe in your midlife and older, it's hard for you to put on weight and you don't want to lose any more weight and that's not your goal. You actually may do best doing something with a high protein quality snack before your workout, as well as consciously having a good high, high protein quality smoothie or a meal if it's positioned right for you timing wise after. So for what I call hard gainers, right? And the older we get, more and more of us are going to fall into that category. So you at 70 is going to probably have some different needs for fueling before and after exercise than we do before we're, you know, 50. But protein is going to be one of the most important things that you're conscious of. And that's not to negate the rest. We need tons of vegetables. We need healthy fruits, you know, at the right timing, but getting protein as the building blocks of muscle, that's going to make a huge difference. And we have a reduced muscle protein synthesis as we age. So you know this, but you know, if we are talking to a woman who's watching and she is 55, you know, you don't synthesize the same amount of protein, meaning take that protein from meals that you eat and use it for the good of your body and repairing those muscles the same way you did 10 or 20 years ago. So in dietary means, you're going to want to eat a little bit more protein than you might've been used to when you were younger. That's news to a lot of women who might think, well, I don't need that anymore. You know, I, I don't exercise that much or I'm not that athletic. You actually need it more the more sedentary you are. Athletes or just athletic and very active women synthesize protein better than someone who's sedentary. So you're really helping yourself out simply by getting off the couch and becoming active. Hmm. That makes so much sense. And I appreciate that. The protein intake definitely is is something that we need to be told plenty of times. And then the other question I had, and I should have asked this earlier, but I know I get this question a lot is what time of the day? You know, when should get do I get in where I fit in on exercise? Or should I try to aim for the morning? Should I try try to aim at noon? What is the best time, especially specifically around if we're being mindful of our hormones? Yeah, great question. So this does it fit in earlier and we need to myth bust a little bit right here because the question has always been, you know, what's the best time of day to exercise? And the answer 
in many cases was the time you'll do it, right? And I'm sure all of us have heard that, we've read it. That changes in midlife. So the best time to do a certain type of exercise and stick with that. So if you're doing high intensity exercise early in the day is best because that's when naturally your cortisol, which is yes, your stress hormone, but it's also our energy hormone. So if you're already elevated, then exercise doesn't take it up an inordinate amount, an amount that's going to harm us. And that means that late in the day, we get that decrease in cortisol that helps us chill, relax, and get to sleep and get a great night's sleep. So intense, early, light, late is a tenant of flipping 50. And that means to all people who are listening who are saying, well, I can't get it in early. I don't want to have to get up at, you know, O-Dark 100 and fit it in before work. Then allow yourself the grace not to do high intensity on those days. Save your weekends. Use them really wisely. And do your late day light. Take a walk. Do yoga. You might be able to get by with doing strength training later in the day because it doesn't quite rev you up the same way high intensity interval training does. But also be thinking that or rethinking that you don't have time. Because in the past, you may have thought, well, I need 45 minutes or I need an hour or it's not worth it. And we know now that even 10 minutes or 20 minutes of interval training, and you got to do a warm up in there, ladies, so you can't skip that. But even those little bits rev your metabolism up and they'll give you more clarity, focus, concentration all day long if you've done them in the morning versus waiting. So rethink that. You don't have time in the morning. Hmm. I love that. Okay, great. That makes so much sense. So definitely save the walk, save the little hike for later in the day, get the, the strength training and the, the hit training done earlier in the day. Perfect. Yeah. Yay. Awesome. And not every day. <laughs> and not every day. Yeah. And not every day. That's what I'm hearing as well. Right. You know, twice a week. So Monday, Thursday, strength training, Tuesday, Friday, maybe your interval training, save your long walks and hikes for the weekend, do yoga in the afternoon. You're set. I love that. I, lo I love the little schedule too. Cause I know so often people are trying to figure out what does that schedule look like? You know, what can that look like for me? And especially when you have all these different things that you can do, mixing it up, whether it's a hike or it's yoga or it's it's strength training or it's a little bit of HIIT training, like you really do have a lot of variety as well so that you're not getting bored. And when you kind of dial in what you love, you can kind of focus on those things that you love as well. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I think that schedule just to come back to, you know, the moment we're in right now, putting that schedule, you know, literally in your planner, wherever you keep that, if you can anchor those things, I think that's been a key point for a lot of people who all of a sudden they don't have a commute. All of a sudden they don't have you know, I have to be in the shower and then out of the shower. You know, I think we're all on Zoom. So there's still showers and we still have to get dressed. But, you know, lunch is different. Dinner is different. All everything is off a little bit because there aren't school. There aren't those time. And exercise can kind of serve as that anchor for you at the beginning and the end of the day. And it's been a huge help for a lot of our flip, Flipping 50 community members. 
Mm, I love that. That makes so much sense. Like calendar it in, have it in your phone, even if you're not, you because none of us are going to the gym, you know, at the moment, you know, but there's so many things that we can do at home, so many ways that we can make it work. Clearly, there's a lot of different videos. You've got so many wonderful videos. And one of the videos I'm super excited to share with everybody is your TEDx talk that you did um, last fall, which is, you know, I don't know if we covered everything today. I know there's going to be even more to look at and to see inside of the TEDx, but the topic was why everything women in menopause learned about exercise may be a lie. And I know that we debunked a couple of those myths today, but I know that you really get into the nitty gritty in this TED Talk, which I'm super excited. And congratulations, girl. Thank you. Thank yeah, absolutely. You. I've been waiting for it. Yes, but I'm so glad it's out. So many women think they're the only ones when exercise isn't working. You know, I think the real message when you watch that is, you're not doing anything wrong. It's not about a lack of willpower or lack of discipline. The system, the fitness industry actually may have been sending you the wrong message. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. I mean, in the fitness industry, you know, for a while was really built for men. We really didn't take women into consideration at all when we started making that pivot, but we haven't taken women at every age in every kind of cycle of our life into consideration. And when you look at things like Instagram and Facebook and you know people look a certain kind of way and you're thinking like, that's the way to do it. I know for me. And then or you have the mindset like so many women have is like, if it, if it doesn't hurt, you know, if you're not working hard enough, you're not gonna reap the rewards of it. And we really need to change those stigmas and those myths around exercise for women so that it's, it's healthy and it's actually effective for them. And I think that you've done such a marvelous job at highlighting how women can create effective workouts that are filled with ease and grace. Now, Deborah, honey, where can we find more of you? You can find me at flipping50.com, all words spelled out, no numbers. Wonderful. I know you're on YouTube too, girl. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Flipping 5050TV, YouTube and Instagram and Facebook. Yes. Love it. Well, I want to say thank you so much for clearing the air around a lot of misconceptions that women are holding on to because we just don't, we just didn't know. We, we see it, you know, we, we just get a lot of the wrong information. And for giving us, laying out a type of schedule, laying out the amount of time, laying out how to really have cortisol be in our benefit versus be in our detriment. So I just really feel grateful to you for laying it all out for us today. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. My pleasure. Deborah dispelled a lot of myths that women have been taught about their bodies and exercise. I have personally struggled firsthand at over-exercising and I paid the price. It happens to many of us. What I love most about Deborah's approach is the way in which she makes it so easy for us to implement without a lot of guesswork. And she happens to have a ton of workouts on YouTube for anyone who wants to join her any time of the week. We don't need to conform to the idea that workouts need to be grueling, exhausting, and long. If anything, those workouts are not always serving us. We get to keep them short, we get to keep them effective, and we get to get the results that we want. Now, if you wanna dive into the workouts that Deborah teaches, check out, check out her YouTube channel, Flipping50TV. And if you wanna check out the TEDx talk to learn more or to share it with someone who's been overworking, over-exercising, I will have it in the show notes for episode 208. 
Thank you so much for stopping by and listening to the Essentially You podcast. If you are loving these episodes and the Q&A Friday, feel free to share them with friends on IG or Facebook or even leave a review on iTunes. Coming up this Friday on Q&A Friday, are going to be talking about how to create a morning ritual that works for you. So whether you're busy, you've got time, whatever's going on in your world, creating a little teeny morning ritual can make a massive difference. And I'm super excited to share some of my favorite rituals that I do every single day, some ones that I've had a lot of my readers and community come to me with, and also how to make it simple and easy to implement so that you're not feeling overwhelmed by having to do one more thing in the morning. Until then, have an amazing day. 